Hey, welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. This is your host, Jim Cochran. We've got a great episode today. I can't wait to introduce you to our guest. He's a guy who's been in our community for, we were just doing the math, eight to 10 years. And he's built an incredible business and he's got an incredible team and a strategy that we can't wait to share with you guys. He's been a coaching student. He's been to, we were, I just found out and confirmed, he's been to every one of our annual live conferences since we started doing it. Of course, The Proven Conference is coming up, theprovenconference.com. He's going to be there too. He's going to be presenting. Of course, I'm talking about today's guest, J.R. Cagle. I'm going to just do a couple more announcements before I get him on. For those of you watching on YouTube, you already see him. He's on screen with me. And I'm going to turn the microphone over to him in just a moment. But if you're listening on your favorite podcast app today, this is one of those episodes where you're going to want to go to the show notes and look for the link to the video interview. So what you'll need to do is go to silentgym.com, find this episode of the podcast, and there'll be a link there right to YouTube because we're going to jump into JR's account today. We're going to see where he sources products. He's going to show us his numbers and his proof. Very excited about some of the screenshots that he wants to share with us today, just to provide that evidence that this isn't just a guy that we hired to make up some numbers. This is a real dude. He's been doing this a long time, doing it the right way. Huge supporter in our community. Just uh, in my impression of him, he's just always positive, always humble, and a general all-around good guy. And I can't wait to hear more of his story because I've never really had a chance to dig into it. So JR, welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio, man. Tell us your story. Let's share it with uh, the listeners today. All right. Well, I was always looking for something to get into besides a traditional job. I was a high school teacher for eight years. And really from year one, I wanted out, hated it. So. I was looking kind of between real estate, the stock market, or some kind of an online business. And so I was just kind of researching different things. And um, really, I guess the first part where I started was Skip McGrath. And I got some good info there and kind of got a little bit more into selling uh, on eBay and eventually Amazon. And eventually, I went into the coaching that morphed over to Jim's program, where I had um, ended up with having Nathan as my coach. and. As I was just doing it, my numbers began to grow, and it finally got to the point where I was able to leave my job teaching. It was a little scary to do, but uh, I was ready to do it, and uh, took that step to full-time just over six years ago, and I do not regret it. My numbers have grown year over year, make a lot more money now, a lot less stress, give me my own boss, which is great, because I hate having to work for someone else. So basically... It's become um, just a business I'm growing more and more. I've got some employees. I've got my own office. And it's largely retail arbitrage. Uh, I also do wholesale and online arbitrage. But with retail arbitrage, it's by far and away the bulk of my business. Beautiful. I got a few thoughts. Pause the story. Don't forget your place. I want to hear a little bit more. I'm intrigued. I didn't realize you were a school teacher. Now, maybe I'd heard that at some point. But that's you don't get rich doing it but it's a fairly stable, like yes, fairly predictable income. You know, yep. Once you're in that system, there's usually a spot you can find kind of thing. So what did it feel like going from that stability into the, if you will, instability or at least new territory of an online business? One, one, and the other question we get a lot is, how did you know you were ready to make the leap? I love hearing people's answer to that question. Like how much money did you have in the bank? Like how many months of budget did you have in the bank? And was there any family conflict or any other outside sources that made that, you know, introduce more drama to it? Talk us through that a little bit. Sure. I guess you should say I started out part-time because I was doing it while I was a teacher. So I was working in this business part-time and learning and growing that way. Obviously, I didn't just jump into full-time one day having not done any sales. I really don't recommend doing that. <laughs> so I had about, I don't know, Three to four years of part-time experience, maybe more like two where I was more serious about it part-time while I was still a teacher. So I was able to do that and just learn and grow. And I almost quit teaching one year before that because I kind of started to feel like I could do it, but I wasn't quite sure. So it finally got to the point where my numbers were just good enough. And I thought, you know, I think I can do this. And I told my wife I had to teach one more year. I was going to kill myself. So there was that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, my wife was actually very supportive and she, um, 
I can find out later. She was actually very scared. She just didn't show it. Oh, <laughs> uh, good for her, man. Sounds yeah, like a great lady. Friend, like we may be poor, so uh, we may have to move in with you or something. I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, no, she was really supportive and she understood. She knew I wanted to do something. And so she was nervous, but uh, she didn't show it, like I already said. And to be honest, I was a little scared when I left teaching, but I was okay with it just because I, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I couldn't take it anymore. And things actually went pretty smoothly once I took it full time. My numbers really jumped because when you're full time, it's so much easier. And um, it was really a pretty smooth transition. It's not that way for all people, but I was fortunate that I had a pretty smooth transition. The numbers were good and um, it worked nicely there. As far as just knowing that I could do it, I mean, I'd have to go back and look at what my numbers were. I can give you a little idea here. In 2012, because uh, 20, the summer of 2013 is when I left teaching, June of 13. In 2012, I did $65,000 for the year. So that's nothing impressive, but I was still teaching full time. I'd done an $18,350 December approximately that year. So nothing great, but I mean, I was doing it part time. So I knew I could, you know, make sales. When I took it full time, and my 2013 numbers are a little skewed because half of it I was a teacher for, and then in June I went full time. But to give an idea, I went from 65,000 in 2012 to 251,000 in 2013. So I had about half a year full time there. Beautiful. And what's your, everyone's going to want to know what's your profit margin? You know, what's your net take home out of that 250? How much is going into your bank account to keep it simple for people that don't want to do the math? It was probably, and I'd have to go back to verify it all, but I would say it was probably give or take fifty to sixty-five thousand dollars there. Yeah, right. That's yeah. That's about average. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And that was once again that was only doing it full time for close to half the year, so I hadn't right. gone full time yet. Right. But certainly that was beating, I assume, your teacher's salary at that point. That was about what I was making as a teacher. I was yeah. making about fifty-one, fifty-two thousand dollars. Gotcha. Thank you for being so open, sharing those numbers, by the way. I I want the listeners to appreciate the fact that I would say from my vantage point, I want everyone to come on this podcast and share their story and share their numbers and motivate and inspire. But for every 10 people we ask, maybe one or two agree because a lot of people, they appreciate their privacy. They don't want to necessarily step up to that next level and teach. Here you are, a former teacher who was trying to escape teaching and you're jumping on the podcast. You're going to be teaching at our event coming up. It's like, you're right back into teaching, but this has to feel a little different. I wouldn't mind you hearing, hearing you address that. Like, how is this different? You're going to be teaching, oh, right? But thank you for sharing your numbers so transparently too. That's, that's definitely appreciated. It helps people paint a real clear picture of what's possible and maybe challenge some folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I love being transparent. That's one thing I pride myself in because I've been to a lot of events whether it's real estate events, stock market events. And one thing that bothers me is just sometimes people are just, they're not transparent. They'll throw some numbers out there and make it sound nice or just make them sound like they're kind of a big shot, but they don't really share any numbers with you. And to me, that's kind of a red flag. If you can't be transparent, you can't be honest, you know, it's kind of a, do you really want to trust this person? So, and I understand there are reasons to not share certain things. I get that. Sure. But I like to be transparent. I like to tell it like it is. And even when I was a teacher, that was one of my things. I like telling it like it is. I'm not going to blow smoke at you. I don't like it when people do that. Yeah. Well, that's one of the foundational, one of the foundational core principles of this team we've built. You know, I was actually asked by some Amazon executives once how we've built our team. They were very curious because they said, you've got this very disconnected team. In some cases, people that have never met working in complete unity, building one of, if not the strongest communities of Amazon sellers. How have you found and recruited these people? Like, what do you, there's no magic. I can't write a book on it. There's not enough content there to fill a book. It's basically, if someone's built a successful business as you have, and they have a teacher's heart, as you do, they say, hey, do you want to come help us build this thing? Because, you know, we, we need leaders. And if they agree, welcome to the community. Because as I've said many times, JR, if all I know about somebody is they've built a successful business ethically and they serve their customers well and make a profit doing it, man, I, I can hang out with that type of person all day, every day. They're leaders. They're natural. You have to be a good leader to achieve at that level. And mm-hmm. so it's uh, that level of transparency is kind of 
baked in because we're going to have to know how's your business doing before we're going to let you into be one of our coaches or be one of our moderators or teachers on stage, right? Absolutely. It's a requirement. Now, we don't expect the community to be transparent, but if you want to step into leadership, yeah, we're going to kind of need to see your numbers and you know, let's see what you've done. Let's, let's review the thing. So I appreciate it about you, man, that you're willing to do that. I'm excited to, to get you in front of folks for the, for the first time. I, not, you know, you're one of, I would guess there's maybe 150 people that have been to every event we've done. It's that many, huh? Maybe less than that. And so that, that's going to be awesome getting you on stage. But yeah, please continue the story, man. I want to I hear what, what else is on your mind. Keep it all rolling. I love speaking. I mean, I like teaching. I just didn't like teaching high school. I also used to teach adult school. And I actually enjoyed that. It was kind of rewarding. The adults, they were grateful and they appreciated you. But with high school, for anyone out there who's taught high school, adult high school students, you know, it's not always that way. So right. it's, uh, it's very different. And I have a lot of problems with our current education system, which I won't go into. So I'll get on a soapbox there. But I could easily make the whole episode about that myself. I've done that in the past to get myself into some territory where I got to defend my positions and discuss. I was given some really good advice, JR, by somebody that said, you know, because I have strong opinions on a lot of social issues and I could really go into it. But they said, hey, you know, you're, you're a general assigned to this battlefield, helping people become mm-hmm. financially independent through launching successful businesses using the internet. Throw all of your effort, energy, warrior spirit into that arena. And so, you know, I, I try to stay focused. But yeah, I'm on the same page with education. And we drift into this, those topics occasionally. But I think the difference that you just identified is adults or people who are just grateful to learn. If the kids were grateful to learn, and they're excited to learn, and about a different gig, right? Right. But adults, they're grateful. And I like teaching stuff that I find to be useful and to an audience that's grateful. I've always wanted to be one of those speakers on the stage where they're, you know, I've been watching a Tony Robbins video or a Zig Ziglar video or watching you or anyone else on the stage. I enjoy doing that. I like speaking. So it's been something I said after the first CES. The world needs more of you. Yep. I remember after the first CES over there in Orlando, I said, I want to be on that stage next year. Well, it obviously didn't happen the next year, but better late than never, I guess. We'll get you up there, buddy. This is awesome. I love it, man. I can't wait to hear what you have to share with us at the event, but keep your story rolling. And for the listener's sake, let me just remind them, hey, we're going to jump in. He's going to share how he's built his business too. You know, take us through kind of the different stages. He's hired and there's a lot of retail arbitrage, which... I probably should have explained this a little earlier, but that's just going into retail stores like Target. You're going to show us how much money you're jumping in, spending at Target and flipping and turning it into money on Amazon. CVS and I think Walgreens was on your list or whatever else is on that list. We're going to go through to discuss that. But I'm going to hear a little bit more of your story first. Then we're going to jump into some specifics. Sure. And I'll give you guys some more numbers too. Because one thing I think a lot of people need to understand is you've got to start somewhere. We all start small. I had to start small. I remember I was telling Nathan, my coach, my first real quarter four, if you will, and this was when I was back on a part-time still, I did something like four and a half thousand dollars in sales in December. And I was excited. I was proud of that number. Absolutely. You should have been. Yeah. And I've literally done more than that in a day on non-Q4 now. It's, I mean, <laughs> right. I, I was proud of it at the time. Uh, that would be an absolute tragedy now. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but you, uh, you Exactly. But um, I'll give you guys some numbers here because I wrote them down. I'm looking at them right now just to kind of give you guys an idea of my growth there. Like I said, my first full-time year, well, let me rephrase that. 2013, as I said, was half, well, let me do this. I'll just do 2012. 2012 was my last part-time year and I did 65,000 in sales. Right. 2013 was about half part-time, half full-time. That was $251,000 in sales. And I wrote down my December numbers too, just to kind of give you guys an idea because December is very heavily weighted. I did 85,000 in December that year, a little bit better than the four and a half thousand a few years back. 2014 was my first full-time year and I did almost a half a million that year. I bumped it all the way up to 495,000 and 196,000 in December. Let's kind of go on forward a little bit here. 2016, I got it up to 542,000, the $219,000 December. And I'll throw a little love to the community here. At the end of 2016, I learned about reverse sourcing from Danny Stock. And that took my business to a whole new level. It really cracked the grocery category for me, especially because up until the end of 2016, I was mainly just doing toys. I wasn't doing much grocery. I wasn't doing beauty. Uh, I was doing some home goods, but mainly toys. So when 2017 rolled around, I learned about reverse sourcing for the, I learned about it at the end of 2016, but I had that in my arsenal for 2017. 
And I bumped my numbers up to 678,000. And by 2018, I got all the way up to 900,000. So I was a little ticked I didn't crack a million, but almost got there. I'm going to get there this year. But um, reverse sourcing, that really took me to a new level, helped me to crack the grocery category, the beauty category. And I'm selling in numerous categories now. And in fact, toys has dropped all the way down to where I pretty much only do it in Q4. I love selling home goods. I love selling groceries. I love selling beauty. And reverse sourcing really allows you to take advantage of that. And I want I want you to take your best stab. If I was on the elevator, let's say it's a really slow elevator and you had two minutes mm-hmm. to explain what reverse sourcing is. I'm going to let you take a shot at it. But before we do that, let folks know you mentioned Danny. Well, Danny is our, our in-house retail arbitrage guru slash expert. And Q4 is when that his strategies just explode. As you shared, I mean, one of the years you shared, almost half of your sales were in December, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. it, that's about as the biggest number we see is half your sales in December. But a lot of people are seeing 25 to 50% of their sales in that one month alone. And retail arbitrage is huge, but it works all year round too. But Absolutely. the Legends group, if you're interested in reading up on what that is, that's the group that Danny and Ryan run. And they focus on retail and online arbitrage strategies like you're describing. That's at provenamazoncourse.com slash legends. That's a monthly pay group, but they focus just on very creative strategies for walking into retail stores and finding profitable items well beyond just scanning barcodes. Some people think that's all that's involved. No, this reverse sourcing thing is not about scanning barcodes. Describe for me, if you had a couple minutes, what, what is this reverse sourcing thing you're talking about? Sure. Quick little note to add to what you just said. There are basically three ways you can source. You can scan barcodes, which is what I did pretty much up until the end of 2016. That's the easiest, but least efficient, least effective way to do this. You can do the visual search with the Amazon app, which is good. It'll pull some things. The barcode scan won't, but it's still going to miss a lot of things because it's got to make sure the picture matches what's on Amazon. Yeah, that's just holding your camera up right, and showing it in the picture. The Amazon seller app has a technology built in. If you just show it an item, you don't need to show the barcode. It'll find it in its archives and go, oh, I think that's what I, this item is. It'll give you five or six guesses. And you're like, yeah, that matches. And it may or may not match. It's hit and miss, but it's useful. Yeah. But the very best way is reverse sourcing. And basically all reverse sourcing is, is you are doing a type search into Amazon and looking at the results that come up and then buying what you see there. So for instance, let's just take something like, uh, I'll take something on my desk. Let's just say uh, I got a stapler right here, whatever. So let's just say you're in Office Depot or any other store and you see a bunch of staplers. You might search something like black stapler on a reverse source. And then you can see what the ranks are, what they're selling for, and look for those ones that you can buy profitably. I love selling coffee. Coffee is a better example. So let's say I'm in a store and I want to source something like Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Okay, well, I'm going to go type in something like Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and I'm going to see what all pops up. What flavors are selling the best? What flavors are selling most profitably? Are there bundles? Are there variety packs? And reverse sourcing allows you to do all of this, which is what you really want. Because you want to see the items that are not only selling, but selling at a higher price. And if you're just scanning barcodes or doing visual searches, you're going to miss those bundles. You're going to miss what I like to call hidden listings because the barcodes people put in don't always match the barcode on the item, even though it's the same item. And that was something I didn't learn until the end of 2016. That's right. Like if someone's created a... Let's say they've invented their own bundle with its own UPC code, and it's a Dunkin', popular Dunkin' Donuts coffee mixed with a, another brand of coffee mixed with some filters, and they're charging an incredibly high margin for it. Yep. You're standing right there, and those three items are on the shelf in front of you. Mm-hmm. But unless you take the time to type in Dunkin' Donuts coffee and type, the, when you say it's a type search, I mean, you're actually typing in the word yep. Dunkin' space Donuts space coffee as you're standing in front of the Dunkin' Donuts coffee section in your store. Right. And what that pops up is a bunch of the most popular listings. One of them might be a bundle with its own UPC code. You never would have seen it. Right. Had you not typed in the word. So reverse sourcing is really just type in what you see. Mm-hmm. And then it brings up these listings. And it's not as embarrassing as scanning barcodes either. True, true. <laughs> right? Because there's this sense of who's watching me and is the manager going to come ask me what I'm doing here if I'm like, beep, 
beep, beep every yep. item on the shelf, right? Mm-hmm. It's far less intrusive. It's more time spent thinking and maybe scrolling and going, oh, wow, that's an interesting bundle. I could mm-hmm. duplicate that bundle right here. There's those filters. There's coffee A. There's coffee B. And they're getting 15 bucks of profit mm-hmm. for bundling those three together. Whereas I was getting ready to sell for 75 cents profit and, you know, for selling one box itself. Yep. So you can do that kind of processing right there in the aisle. And it takes some time, right? I love your description, man. So, you know, how it, continue your description. I'm just trying to enhance what you're saying. You're doing a beautiful job of describing it. Yeah. And there are tricks you can do to narrow it down because obviously if you say just search Dunkin' Donuts coffee, you're going to get over a thousand results, but you could do something like Dunkin' Donuts coffee ground, Dunkin' Donuts coffee whole bean, Dunkin' Donuts coffee hazelnut, Dunkin' Donuts coffee K-cups, Dunkin' Donuts coffee variety pack. There are things you can do to narrow it down to see what you're looking for. And like I said, you're looking for those items that have a good enough rank and that are selling at a high enough price. And then you just pull the trigger basically. And like I said, also, even on some of the single items, the barcode won't always scan. For instance, if you go to Trader Joe's, their barcodes won't scan because they're only like an eight digit number. You have to reverse source at Trader Joe's or do a visual search. Otherwise, you're not going to pull up their items. And the same is true for other items like at Target. If you try to uh, scan the Archer Farms coffee, you're going to find it doesn't pop up. But if you do a reverse search, it will. I know for a fact it will because I sell it. So, <laughs> Thanks for the tip. Now you have 500 competitors. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I'm going to get it at a cheaper price than they will. It's my specialty. There you go, man. <laughs> it's all about relationships. You said specialty. So I guess you've contacted them and built a relationship. And is that how that's working? Not really. I just know I could get stuff really cheap. Oh, you figured it out, man. Good job. Mm -hmm. Well, you've been doing it a while. But I think if we took just what we've shared in the last couple minutes, and we've revolutionized the excitement level and the way people approach retail arbitrage, it's not just scanning barcodes. That's very, very basic level stuff. It's a great way to expose yourself to the opportunity and you can make money doing it. But if you start typing in and I love the distinction you gave us. If you type in Dunkin' Donuts coffee, you're going to get 30,000 results. Well, let, you know, let's get a little more specific with our search. Let's bump in some other common keywords, common sense, common keywords, and see what kind of exciting bundles and multi-packs are out there and see if that's something we can duplicate. I love that, man. Beautiful. Just that strategy alone. I know I was talking with someone in our community just a couple of weeks ago. They have a team of shoppers and maybe this is how you run your business. I'm not sure yet. I haven't heard. I can't wait to get into it. But the team of shoppers, and they're not paying their shoppers to go out and scan barcodes and hopefully find some new products to sell. Right. No, they're paying their shoppers to go to stores and it's like, hey, I need 50 bags of this brand of rice. Mm-hmm. I don't care where you get it. I'm paying you 10 bucks an hour to shop. Yep. Right. And that's what they do. They shop. So they've got a list. They're not out there looking for new opportunity. They're just like an Uber driver with a shopping list. Yep. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You can be re- this business can be reduced to that. Mm-hmm. Yes, it can. I'll give you guys. I'll give one other tip that a lot of people don't know too. Two tips, in fact, with the seller app, the way you type in those terms matters. For instance, Dunkin' Donuts coffee K cups can yield a different result than K cups Dunkin' Donuts. But here's an important tip that I've learned: the buyer app and the seller app do not show the same results. You can type in the exact same search on the seller app and the buyer app, and the buyer app will pull things the seller app will not. I don't know why this is. I just know that it is so. So if you want to really get the most efficient results, use the buyer app. It's more time consuming. It's not as efficient. Excuse me. It's not as easy, but it will pull results that other people will not find. So a little tip there. That's a beautiful tip. It's going to show you the actual true rank. Mm Mm-hmm in the Amazon system as well, because you're using the free app that, you know, the millions of shoppers are using and you're typing these phrases in. I love it. You're going to see the actual true product rank. That'd be interesting to go compare how much these match up. It sounds like you've done a fair bit of experimentation and and, uh, it's worth using both because they don't necessarily always line up. That is a great tip, man. I haven't done that. I don't know if I've ever done that as I think it through. Uh, I know there's a bunch, bunch of you in the legends group, man. You guys live, eat, and breathe. You know how to conduct yourself with a smartphone in a retail store, man. That's what you guys just wake up dreaming about every day over there. Yeah. But uh, man, that's a great tip too. 
And I don't think the ranks vary too much. It's just the results. There are certain results you will get on the buyer app that will not show up on the seller app. I got you. And not only that, I've found at times too, the photo on the seller app will be different from the one on the buyer app. And I actually hmm. got popped for a, an item like that because on my end, I thought I was selling the correct item. But on the buyer's end, because they're using the buyer app, they saw something different. So I got popped for that. I think I may have gotten the feedback removed, but nevertheless, that's another little problem that on rare occasions can happen. So if you see things from the buyer's perspective, you can see how well it indexes in the search results, how high it is, and what the item looks like. That's another little added bonus. Very cool. Great tip, man. Yeah, we've got to get you on stage teaching. Oh, wait, that's what we're doing. Yep. Theprovenconference.com in September. One of our great speakers, J.R. Cagle. You're doing a great job, man. Can't Thank wait you. to have you there. So, all right, man, I, I feel like I should be taking notes, buddy. But the good thing is this is recorded so I can watch it again later and anyone can go back and listen. And in the show notes, as a reminder too, at silentgym.com slash podcast, any references to any resources or tools or like the Legends group, there's a link there. Just go there and you can get all the stuff we're talking about today. And maybe we're going to have to come up with a course, JR. If you see a gap in our product <laughs> offerings, man, you're one of those guys that could easily crank out an awesome course for us. And, oh, yeah. and it uh, could be done. People would devour it, dude. I'd love it. But man, let's keep it going. What, what else you've got to share from your story or from tips? And you'll take the microphone. You're the teacher. I'm just the unprofessional podcast guy. <laughs> well, from my story, um, like I said, I just, I've been working on building it up. Uh, I'm looking to hit a million this year. I'm trying to add more wholesale. I go to the ASD show twice a year, every year. So if, uh, I don't know if this podcast will be out in time, but I don't mind taking people around, walking them through the show and just showing them how it works. If anybody wants to, I've got a group that's already going with me coming up here in July, but uh, I don't mind taking more people. I'll do it for free. I like helping out and I like hanging that's out. beautiful. Yeah, it's fun to hang out. Dude, I, I wouldn't mind hearing, of course, for the listeners who aren't familiar, ASD is a huge mm-hmm. trade show yep. in Las Vegas. I've had the honor of being a, the keynote speaker there a couple of times. It's been going on forever. It happens twice a year. The biggest one's in the spring and the smaller one's in the summer, right? Is it like February and well, July? Well, uh, other one's March and this year, it's the very end of July. It's usually early August. Yeah, July. It's usually, there we go. But uh, yeah, it's it's a great group of, I mean, tens of thousands of people are there oh, yeah. and it's a bunch of vendors with products they're trying to sell through traditional markets or Amazon sellers. But there's also a lot of Amazon sellers and the booths kind of get weary of people coming up and saying, hey, can I sell your stuff on Amazon? Like I've heard that question 800 times today already. Like, how do you navigate that huge arena and find opportunity? What's your, if you had to break your strategy down? Um, one thing I've learned is to be picky. The first time I went to the show, I made the horrible mistake of walking through literally, I think a donor literally every single aisle. And for anyone who's been to that show, you could appreciate how I must have walked good literally 10 miles or so because I've yeah. seen it on my watch before. And even when I didn't walk the whole show, I still did like eight miles. So that was a very poor <laughs> mistake. <laughs> so Right. Wear comfortable shoes regardless, but you don't want to walk the eight miles either. Yeah. Yeah. No, you don't. So what I've learned is you really want to kind of narrow it down. Like when I go now, I'm interested in closeouts. I'm interested in the toy stuff, the beauty stuff, what have you. I'm not really interested in the China sourcing. I'm not really interested in the clothing per se. So pretty much I'm going to hit the the area that has the closeouts and the other stuff like that. Closeouts and just wholesale accounts on like toys, beauty, uh, home goods, et cetera. And then you kind of really want to narrow it down even more because you'll see a lot of people selling the same things or similar things. And if you sit there and start getting price lists and books from every single vendor, you're going to have a stack that is so high that you're just going to get information overload. And it's going to be like, I don't even know where to start. So the advice I would give is walk through it, just kind of learn, see what all is there, but be, be selective on on the um, vendors you choose to get a price list with and a catalog with, try to open an account with maybe five. Don't go crazy because if you get that information overload, it's just going to mess with you and you're just going to be scatterbrained and unproductive. So you really got to narrow it down. And there are so many suppliers to choose from. It's just very, very easy if you're not careful to come home with a giant stack of catalogs that you do nothing with. Yes. And you can kind of, you could replicate that experience from home. Actually, one of the modules in the Proven Amazon course is, uh, what, what do we call it? Trade show, no show. Yeah, trade show, no show. 
Yeah, it, where you get the catalogs and the con, you can connect people and say, hey, I wasn't able to be at the show, but I registered, which is free to register for ASD. Yep. And uh, I was hoping I could get your price list. You, you can launch the conversation without actually even being there. Get them on the phone, right? So those do, don't like to travel. But I'm curious. I want to ask you if these are questions that could be answered briefly. Um, if not, you know, do, do what you got to do with them. But what qualifies you as a winning product in your mind? I know the categories you like to play in, but you know, give me maybe, maybe the best way to say this is give me an example of a winner that you found at ASD. Like, don't tell us the exact product, obviously, but you know, how you found it, what questions you asked when you approached the booth, and how have you distinguished yourself from the other Amazon reps that maybe wish that they could have access to this? Now just take us through one of your winners, maybe, I guess would be a good way to, to answer the questions I'm trying to ask. I'll give you the exact item. Um, <laughs> there's a product called Umizumi, and I knew it sold because I used to buy it at Toys R Us, this Umizumi car. So I already knew it sold. Well, I found it at the ASD from one of the suppliers. So right away, I'm like, oh, I know that guy sells. I ended up not buying in on it because I needed like a buy of 200. And I didn't have anyone to split it with at the time, really. Um, I'm kind of slapping myself for that, but it goes just the way it is. However, they had some Umizumi plush dolls and um, it was a very easy decision because I was able to buy them for like seven bucks, give or take, and they're selling for 30 to 40. Well, <laughs> good rank. They're selling for, you know, good quadruple to fivefold what I can buy them for. That was a no brainer. And those, that was killer. I wish we could get more of those. Um, it's actually a discontinued item, I want to say. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's just one example. Uh, most examples are not going to be that simple, but it's not hard to find items that are already in the catalog and that are already selling. And you might be surprised at how cheap you can sometimes get them. Now, sometimes you can't get them cheap. Sometimes you can get it cheaper with retail arbitrage. A lot of wholesale products, ASD, are Keystone, which is just basically half of retail, for those who don't know. But not all are. If you get Spin Master's catalog, for instance, Spin Master does Paw Patrol and stuff like that, you're not going to get Keystone pricing unless maybe you do like Walmart style volume, which none of us do. So basically, I'm looking at the price I can get. I'm asking myself, well, can I get this cheaper with retail arbitrage? I'm looking at the rank, see how it's selling. I'm looking for the potential for a bundle because I love bundles. Differentiate yourself from the crowd that way. I do ask them if Amazon sale is okay to sell on Amazon because I have had it before. My very first wholesale item, Kyocera Knife, where I found out uh, they frowned upon eBay sellers. And that was way back in my eBay days, but nevertheless. I'm not afraid to tell them I sell on Amazon necessarily. I mean, the fact is they've, over the years, I've seen them grow more and more vendors. It is grow more and more okay with Amazon sellers. They understand it's a big market. They understand their sellers and they understand we want to give them business and they want to sell. Uh, Some people still won't deal with Amazon sellers, but I have found that if you're a little bit creative, say, well, okay, what if I made a bundle with your product? What if I agreed to hold map and just different things, you know, sometimes they'll open up, but um, you got to show them your profession. Map, of course, minimum advertised price. You know, right. one of the main, big complaints that, and I'm going to play angry vendor for a second, okay? Because one of the complaints that we'll hear people go to these shows and they walk up to vendors like, you know what? I've already got 22 Amazon sellers. They're not honoring Map, the price that we've told them to sell at. And the reason that's such a big deal is because all these re- traditional retail outlets, the brick and mortar stores, we make them sell at a higher price and they're coming and beating us up saying your Amazon sellers are violating map pricing. Why are you allowing them to sell? They don't want that headache. Do you run into that? And if so, how have you managed that? Or do you just kind of walk away from those situations? Um, I've absolutely run into it. I'll try to work with them. I'll say, hey, I have no problem honoring map. I like it when they have map because it keeps people from tanking the price. That is as long as it's enforced, of course. So I like when they do map, I mean, in my opinion, if if they do a high map, like just um, basically 100% of retail, that's fantastic. So if I can buy it at 50% of retail and we are forced to sell it at 100% of retail, great. That's money to be made. Um, some companies like Asmodee, who does Settlers or Catan, they'll have like a 90% of retail map or 80% depending on the item. And that's nice because it keeps the price from totally tanking, but it has to be enforced, of course. Um, some yeah. vendors, they just won't work with you. They'll say, you know what? We just don't want Amazon sellers. And that happens. And you know what? You just move on. There are so sure. many vendors to choose from. It's not a big deal. That's right. You know, it, it's interesting. I love your perspective because I would say in the past 
oh, 30 podcast episodes or so, there's two or three episodes where we start talking about how to approach a vendor who's sick of Amazon. They wish Amazon would go away. They're done with Amazon sellers. <laughs> and what a goldmine those people are when you introduce the concept of the value that you can bring. Mm-hmm. If you help them get their own products in their own Amazon account, for example, and manage that for a percentage, which you're not doing, as far as I understand, that's not part of your business model. No, not but at it's all. a gold, it's a gold mine, mm-hmm. and it gives you multiple Amazon accounts. That's the provenproductpartnering.com mm-hmm. strategy. There's a module in in the Proven Amazon course that discusses this, of mm-hmm. course. But I'll stick out in the show notes and making myself a note because I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail right now. Yep. But I just love that no matter what answer you get from someone who has a product potentially profitable product, you can help them mm-hmm. get their product in the right way. And you know that's the value of listening to this podcast is there's fewer and fewer people who can give you a solid, nah, it's just not going to work because you've got great comebacks for any scenario that you encounter. Mm-hmm. Just remember in the back of your mind. I love that you dropped some brand names on us that most of us have probably heard of. Mm-hmm. And you've at times, if not currently, are making profits on these very popular items by just going to a trade show and having some conversations, being brave enough to ask for the price list. Uh-huh. Hey, I sell on Amazon. Can I sell it? This business can be that simple. It can. Absolutely. But I want to transition now to your retail arbitrage strategies. And this is where we're going to do some screenshots and screen sharing. For those of you who are just listening to the podcast today, I promised you might want to check out the YouTube video because we're going to see into JR's business right now. And I want to hear how you manage it as well as far as who's doing the shopping and how your team works and that sort of thing. So talk us through that a little bit. Sure. As far as the retail arbitrage goes, I still do most of the shopping. Um, two of my employees do some shopping for me. Sometimes my wife does. Um, my mom's also an employee. So occasionally my mother does. Not very much though. It's that one employee you just can't fire, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've got, my mom works for me too, but she's doing it. She's doing an awesome job. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, I still do the bulk of the shopping. My employees mainly do the prep stuff, like um, the poly bagging for the bundles, the taping, the boxing. Like you said, don't ever touch box tape or don't touch boxes. I agree. I hate that. So I have them doing that and they've gotten good at it. I mean, they do it better than me. Uh, We've got a shrink wrap machine. I'm not even sure how to use it totally. They know how to. I've experimented with having them do some listings and I want to work that some more. I'm just trying to kind of fine tune that system. And I'm going to start working with them on online arbitrage searching too. So, um, I, like I said, I do my, most of the shopping, but on some of the items, I just give them a list. Like you mentioned earlier, I'll say, hey, this item, we can buy it dirt cheap right now. I need you to go hit the targets up and just get as much of this item as you can. Or Walgreens is having this sale. Go get all these items. And um, we can really buy in bulk that way and then bring it back to the office, bundle it up, box it up, send it out. We're good to go. It works very nice that way. Are you doing any kind of profit share? You pay your workers per hour? How's that work? Uh, per hour at the moment. I'm working on trying to throw in some commission. And it's got to, once again, figure out the numbers to make that work too. Yeah, it can be a little tricky, I've heard. And depending on how you set it up, you know, some people are pulling it off. But the more you can reduce it down to just a simple, here's your list, go buy it. You don't have to worry about the profit share. But if they're actually contributing and finding opportunity and helping right. you build your business, those are the great kind of people to have on your team, by the way. People who want to help that. build, not just show up and do the work they're told to do, but help this thing grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll do that too. It's good to have a way to, that you take care of them beyond just their hourly. Oh yeah, I'll give them a bonus sometimes. Yeah, right. Yeah, make a good find or something. So yeah. Well, it, let's jump in and see your numbers. Are you cool with that? Yep, absolutely. So let me get over to the screen share here and I'll share a few things with you guys. Well, let's see here. Share and I got to go to screen share. And this is the point where it's going to be valuable to jump over to YouTube and see see what we're doing here. All right, so what are we looking at here? So that's my last 365 days. That was from July 5th of 2018 to July 4th, which was yesterday of 2019. So as you can see, it's almost to a million, not quite there. That close. <laughs> 944,650. Yep. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Average sale, 34 bucks. Yep. That's generally about right. My average sale is generally, yeah, somewhere in the $30 range. I like keeping that sale price higher because you're going to lose a lower percentage to Amazon fees and you're just going to make more money. I don't like dealing with $1 and $2 profits. Um, I will on rare occasions, but I like having wiggle room with my items because you never know when someone's going to come in and drop a price a little bit. So you've got to have that wiggle room. It's something I always emphasize. By the way, that's a temporary name up there for anyone thinking about my storefront name there. I just threw that up there. That's not my normal name. So 
Ah, uh, we can't find you. Yep. Brilliantly done. Well played. Yep. You know, that's one of the reasons people are often hesitant to share this particular screenshot because it shows the name of your store, but you mm-hmm. changed the name. Yep. That will be changed, but well done. Podcast goes live. <laughs> Yoda is in the house, man. Good thinking. <laughs> so we've got that one there. Um, some inventory lab stuff. I wanted to show my categories that I like to sell. And this was, as you can see on the dates from the first of this year to today, July 5th. So as you guys can see, grocery is my biggest category by far. It makes up a big chunk of my revenue. In fact, it makes up uh, over half of my revenue. It'll drop a little bit come Q4 when I get more toy heavy. But I love groceries. People pay silly money for groceries. And it is a fantastic category for those who are not selling in it. Your ROI is looking at the far right-hand column here. It's the best one. Well, you've got, uh, yeah, it's your best one. By some miracle, kitchens down there, 84.54. I don't know how that happened. But <laughs> nevertheless, it's only got 36 sales as opposed to 8,225. So there's a little bit of a skew there. Well, bigger sample size, sure. Yeah. yeah, that's exciting to see, though. Yeah, there, there is so much potential. The re- if you do reverse sourcing in the grocery category, you can very quickly, I would say it's reasonable to say, well, actually, we have someone in our community that did this exact number. Went from never having done any retail arbitrage before. In the first 90 days, they were selling $100,000 a month using reverse sourcing strategies. And it's primarily grocery type items. Mm -hmm. It's a great category, but you really have to reverse source grocery because it's so hard to make money selling singles in grocery. You've got to sell three packs, four packs, six packs, variety packs. That's how you make the money. Yeah. Bundles. You got to find those bundles. And the way you find the bundles, as we shared with you earlier, is the reverse sourcing strategy. You got to type it in. Really, if that's the only thing you take away from this episode, we've given you a million dollar tip. Yep. Instead of scanning barcodes, type in what you see. And if it brings up 30,000 listings, you got to be more precise. You got to give it another keyword. Mm-hmm. Drop it down. Then you're going to see some really good... You want You want maybe, I don't know, 100, 200, maybe even less results on your screen. And you can kind of scroll through and like, oh, wow, there's opportunity. That's a big markup. Mm -hmm. And not only that, some of the best opportunities, oftentimes you really got to scroll down on your screen. You got to dig deep. You can't just say, look at the first two or three listings go, eh. Because the first two or three listings oftentimes have a really good rank, which means that the price is probably pretty low and it's going to be very hard to make money on. A lot of competitors in margin. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to go down and look through a good 40 or 50 listings and you find a nice winner or two. So sometimes just don't be afraid to dig deep there. But Great um, tip. Yeah. When I learned reverse sourcing, that's when I cracked grocery because my grocery sales up until the end of 2016 were, I mean, they were pretty much nothing. But once I learned reverse sourcing, that just blew, blew me into the grocery category and it's my best category now. It just made such a huge difference. Beautiful. As I'm just thinking through and hearing you talk, I think, because uh, we hadn't really nailed down what your topic exactly would be at the, the event, but I'm thinking a breakout session, talking through reverse sourcing, giving examples and scrolling around. And yeah, no problem. You, you want to you commit to doing that? That's fine. I'll give up. I'll do even some live examples on stage if you want. I don't mind that. Beautiful, man. Plan on it. Theprovenconference.com. Come see JR. It's just one of our numerous great you know, the one thing I want to do a little quick commercial for the for the event because this podcast episode will still come out in plenty of time for people who want to attend. Of course, the events in September 2019 starts September 11th, but we are going to have people on stage who are doing the business. We don't bring in big name speakers. It's like, oh, I've heard of that author. I saw him interviewed on TV once. You know, it's not those people. It's people from our community who have built great businesses, sharing their unique strategies. That's what the event is. It's getting together with, it's almost like a family reunion with a bunch, you know, and you put the most successful family members on stage and like, all right, teach us something, right? If that's kind of the feel it has. So I'm excited to have you come. And, but theprovenconference.com, come if you haven't signed up yet. And hopefully this is just a little taste of what you can expect and, and pin JR down and say, hey, thanks for this podcast episode. I think you're motivating a lot of people today, buddy. Yeah. And I like talking to people about this stuff. So, I mean, I'll help people out. I'll talk to them. I enjoy it. Just a few little, I'll give you guys some tidbits and some other categories here too. You'll notice the home is my second biggest category. I love selling character sheets. For those who don't know, character sheets, you know, like Mickey Mouse, uh, Paw Patrol, Black Panther, uh, what else? I don't know, PJ Masks, just looking at my office right now, what I had. Stuff like that. People love that stuff. You can sell the name brands too. Calvin Klein, Ralph Lauren. I haven't had much success with that, but those work too. But um one piece of advice I'll give on the home category, I'll drop some 
uh, advice here too, is there are a lot of the duplicate listings on these type of things. So use the visual scan, use reverse sourcing and understand that even though you're not supposed to make duplicate listings, a lot of people have, and you can have two identical listings. I can think of one off the top of my head right now. I'm not going to give it away, but there's one listing for it where it's selling for like, I don't know, 13 bucks. And there's another one we're selling for like 42, same exact item, just duplicate listing. So with home category, there's a little tip for you. Beauty bundles, just like in grocery work well, you can sell singles, but bundles are fantastic. You can get some great markups. Toys has gotten harder over the years. It used to be when I started, you could roll into Toys R Us. And if you saw that only at Toys R Us sticker, just scan it. Well, that's profitable. Throw it in the cart. (laughs) It's gotten a lot tougher. Toys have become a lot more saturated. It's doable still. Don't get me wrong. But it's a lot tougher than it used to be in toy category. So if you're only selling toys, like some people are, I really really encourage you to try to expand different categories because you're leaving a lot of money on the table if you're only selling in the toy category. Yeah, I think we're getting a lot of people excited about groceries. And I love your tip about duplicate listings too. You're not violating an Amazon policy to sell against a listing that someone else set up. And I love your example. Let's say you've got a set of, just to be real specific, let's say Minnie Mouse sheets. Right. A girl's bed mm-hmm. and you know for a, for a twin size bed and you scan it you're sitting there in target and you scan it and two listings pop up and like you said i think the price point on one of them is 13 bucks and it's got a really good rank and there's another one that's not ranked as well where it's what'd you say 42 45 bucks right and you're thinking hmm i could make a lot of money if i sold it for 45 why not list it against that 45 if it's a decent rank and it, you'll sell it <laughs> And it's not your fault that there's two listings. Right. Amazon may come in and clean it up and combine those two listings into one. And then you'll, you know, you'll be way overpriced and you can adjust your price down and take your hit if you have to. Right. But that's a great strategy. How often do you use that duplicate listing strategy? Because what a lot of people do is I think they're afraid, of, oh, that's a violation of Amazon policy. I'm not going to list against that second duplicate listing. Now, you never want to set up a duplicate listing yourself. But right. if someone else did and got away with it, hey, sell against it. Absolutely. And for all I know, the better listing is the duplicate listing. I don't know which one's the original listing. Yeah, there's no way to know. Just because it's ranked better doesn't mean it's the one that Amazon's going to like. Mm-hmm. And I've even seen, I think I may have seen Amazon and duplicate listings before. I mean, there's just so many listings in the catalog that stuff slips by. I don't encourage you to create duplicate listings. Don't do that. But if someone else does, hey, you know, that's on them. They can get in trouble for it, but that doesn't mean you can't list on their listing. That's right. No reason not to. And especially if there's probably an algorithm someone could come up with as to like how big the gap is between the two listings as far as the rank Mm -hmm. and how much the money difference is and is it worth doing or not. Mm -hmm. But as a general rule, if there's two listings and they're ranked within the same vicinity, the same universe of each other, yeah, start off with the higher one. Why not? Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful tip, man. I, I'm counting like four or five tips that were worth the price of admission today so far, man. You're a good teacher, dude. <laughs> Thank you. I try. Yeah, and it's in every category. It's not just toys. It's not just home goods. It's in every category. So use that reverse source. Excuse me, reverse yeah, reverse source. Use the visual scan because that'll pop. Like I said, those will pop, pop, pop some of those. It just be creative. Take that extra time. Put in that extra effort, and it'll make you money. It's that simple sometimes. This is beautiful. Well, as we start to land the plane, I always like to ask our guests a question along the lines of, you know, what do you have to share with that we haven't already said? Or maybe you want to reemphasize something we already said. That's cool. But any last tips or strategies or something you left out of your story that you want to share with us? This is me turning you over the microphone to you saying, hey, let's, let's pack as much value as we can for the listeners in today. Sure. Um, I've also got the other screenshot we haven't looked at yet that shows my suppliers. So, oh, dude, yeah, that's right. We got to see that. So, here we go. That. So, yeah, you'll notice Target is by far and away my biggest source. I love Target. Target's an absolute gold mine. And you'll notice Walmart is not even at 5% of what my Target sales are. Walmart, don't get me wrong, you can make money at Walmart, but here's my thing with Walmart. And I've been saying this for years everybody goes to Walmart. Everyone who does retail arbitrage, that's their first thought. Well, I'm going to go to Walmart. Oh, Two problems with that. One, everybody's buying the same things. And two, Walmart doesn't really, with the exception of their clearances, they have good clearances, but with the exception of that, they don't really run sales like Target does. You don't see that BOGO 50 sale, that buy two, get one free. They don't have Cartwheel, which is the Target app, for those who don't know, that um, you can get discounts on. So if you just go source Walmart, I mean, you're getting the same price everybody else is. You're getting the same products everybody else is. 
can you make money at Walmart? Absolutely. But in my opinion, it's a lot harder unless you're getting good clearance items. Yeah. Well, your, your numbers spell that out. And, yeah. and we've had people in here who swear by Walmart oh, yeah. and they say things like, you know, Walmart prices regionally, you can go to one side of town and there's a Walmart that has product X for 20% more than the, the Walmart that's five miles away. Mm-hmm. Right. So they, they're run individually and there's opportunity there depending on, but your numbers have certainly played out that dude, you're a target guy. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I love it. And what I love too, and I want to hear your response for this one is, well, I heard Target doesn't allow resellers. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> I love that laugh, man. <laughs> that's technically true. Technically, keyword technically, Target has a no reseller policy. They just don't seem to care about enforcing it. I mean, exactly. I yeah. I mean, I've literally done orders on Target.com that are over $10,000 at a time. I've never had a problem. Um, going into the store, they love me. I tell them. They know I'm a reseller. They know what I do. They'll ask me, oh, how's business been? Oh, are these selling well? They know. The only times I've really had trouble at Target were on sometimes on a promotion. Like there was one time, because they'll run their buy two, get one free on games about four or five times a year. I rolled up with numerous cards of games and the uh, manager's like, no, 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 you can only get two promos. So I've had that happen at times. That rarely happens. But sometimes if you really try to kill a promo, you may get a manager who says, nope. But I'm lucky. Yeah. I have seven targets right around me. And I know which targets are a bit more of a stickler than others. I've got one target. I'm convinced I could roll up with 100 cards and they wouldn't blink an eye. There's another target. Sometimes they'll be like, well, you know, on the promo, you can only get two at a time. So guess which one I do go to and which one I don't go to. Yeah. And I, there's one manager in particular at the target nearest us that had mark, will mark stuff down and like, yeah, sure. Clear the shelf. Yeah. And then there's other managers like, no, we don't sell to resellers. And I know you're a reseller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just depends. Your results may vary. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went back twice for the same. I was trying to clear it was a bunch of uh, life jackets. It was, you know, winter was approaching and life jackets were 70% off. And they had just a whole wall of kids' life jackets. And I said, hey, I'll clear the shelf if you guys will give me a break, price break on these. And the manager's like, are you going to resell them? I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to use all of them. It's like, no, we can't sell them. There's no discount. You can't, I don't even let you buy all of them. So I came back the next day, said the same thing to the different manager. He's like, awesome. I'll give you another 20% off. Clear the shelf, man. Like, nice. thanks. Yep. Yeah, it just depends. I've got one of the managers, one of the targets. He used to give me a price break too. Apparently he got in trouble though for doing that. So he can't anymore, but he's cool. He knows what I do. I've got his phone number and my cell phone. I can text him and be like, hey, uh, is this clearance out at this price? Do you have this in stock? Cool guy. He doesn't care. He'll let me roll up and buy cards full. I'll tell him I'm coming to buy all your candy. He's like, great. Yeah, it's cool. That's another piece of advice I would give. Just be nice. When you're out doing retail arbitrage, if you're just friendly, you're nice, you make conversation, you know, you'll win people over. You don't want to be that person who comes over there and messes up the store, rumbling through stuff or gives people a hard time. Be nice. If you're nice, people will work with you. Same thing with trade shows. I got one guy to work with me because I was just nice. I struck up a conversation with him in the elevator and he was willing to work with me even though he didn't want to work with Amazon, any more Amazon sellers. So sometimes just being nice, be friendly, talk to them, um, ask them, you know, how are they doing? Tell them please and thank you. Get to know the people and um, it pays off. And worst case scenario, self-checkout is great if you don't want to go with the cashiers because you want to run a promo that uh, the cashiers might frown upon. So there's another trick for you. Beautiful. But uh, yeah, I've had very little problems at Target. As you can see from some of my other sources, stores like CVS and Walgreens, I think a lot of people dismiss those, but they've got some great sales. Uh, I love hitting those stores. Uh, Grocery outlet, a lot of you guys may not have. It's more of a West Coast thing, I think. Actually, I guess East Coast has it too. But um, another grocery discount store, great source for beauty and groceries. Just got to watch your expiration dates. But yeah, I mean, retail arbitrage, it's alive and well. And every year I hear it. And it's the question, is retail arbitrage dead? And I guarantee that question will be asked again this year. No, it's not. And it's not going anywhere. There's just really no way it can go anywhere. Um, I mean, Amazon's probably going to enforce some more policies. But even then, unless they're going to sit there and ask for receipts on everything every single person buys, retail arbitrage and online arbitrage, they're not going anywhere. No, it's not. As long as we have free markets, RAOA will always be alive and well. Mm-hmm. My theory is we haven't even started yet. And uh, I actually wrote an article. It's been years ago now. I've been hearing retail arbitrage is dead literally for 15 years. And <laughs> not a two-week period goes by that someone doesn't think they found the final definitive evidence that RA 
and OA is dead. And inevitably, you know, it's someone's one person's story. Like they, you know, they went to Walmart and the manager said, no, we don't sell to resellers. And someone wrote an article about that. Yep. That doesn't mean it's dead. Here's our friend JR, and I'm looking at the screen. For those of you who are listening, instead of watching on YouTube today, uh, he did $570,000 sourcing from Target over the course of the last 365 days. So, yeah, retail arbitrage is not dead, it's alive Absolutely. and well. You'll notice Trader Joe's is on there too. Trader Joe's, yep. uh, up until recently, I didn't have any trouble with Trader Joe's, but you can still buy from them. Just, you just can't make it obvious you're a reseller. Don't go in and buy three carts like I tried to do. Uh, last time, you know, break it up, get some of your shoppers to go in one at a time. I mean, there are always ways to beat the system. That's part of this game. You just learn, how can I play the system? How can I beat the system? And part of my strategy is always, how can I get the lowest possible price? And I'll openly share things I sell, share my numbers. Because like I said, I'm going to beat you on the price probably. So I'm not terribly afraid of competition. People oftentimes ask me, well, do you check how many sellers are on a listing or how many do you look for? I don't really care. I don't pay much attention. I'll sell something even if there's 100 sellers on the listing. I mean, the simple fact is, if you buy right, as you've said before, it's about your buy. If you buy right, that's when you make your money. You don't make your money when you sell. You make your money when you buy right. And most people don't buy right. They'll go in and buy at full retail price, or they'll miss out on discounts. And that's what separates the best from the average and even the ones who don't make money is your buy price. Got to buy right. Are you doing any couponing or points on a credit card or I mean like are you like stretching for that last two three five points of margin through some creative takes extra work strategies absolutely and so talk us through those like what are those little margin boost strategies that you've implemented into your business I go back to target because I that's why I love target you can get such fantastic below wholesale prices if you do your discounts right first of all cartwheel so that's my basically my couponing is Target apps, Cartwheel, because that's got some powerful discounts. For instance, right now, they've got a 30% off Rin Pure Beauty products. That's a great discount. Well, that's not good enough for me. I'm going to stack that sucker. Uh, I'll go to Card Cash and I'll buy gift cards at 10.5% off for Target, which is better than the 5% red card discount. What was that website again? Card Cash. Card Cash. Is that a Target site? No, it's just a general um, gift card app site. Oh, okay. I got you. So any any gift card site? Yes. You can go buy a $500 gift card for Target for, say, $470. Right. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I used to use Raise a lot. I found card cash to be better, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, um, they've got a bulk buy program. So I'll just call up my rep, tell them, hey, I need $3,000 in Target gift cards. They'll give me, you know, right now I'm getting 10.5% off. So that's over $300 right there. Plus, I'm using a credit card that gives me 2% back in travel uh, costs. So I'm getting another 2% right there on top of it. So basically, I'm getting 12.5% back right there by doing that as opposed to just paying full retail price or as opposed to just using the 5% red card discount. And not only that, I can just give my shoppers a gift card. If I need to, I can just shoot them a text. Here's an e-gift card. There you go. So it makes it easy for them to buy. Beautiful. And that's a mini course. Oh yeah, we. I think there, there's a few thousand people listening to this at some point. You know, as when this thing going, I would I would pay a few bucks for for Jr's course on how to go from five percent profit margin to eighteen percent profit margin just by doing the right little touches, tweaks. Oh, yeah. What different What difference does it make in your business? And this is going to be a guess. I'm assuming you don't track this number, but if mm-hmm. you were just to shop and use cash, let's say, versus using these a credit card with points. Mm-hmm you know, the, the discounted gift cards, like how much margin does that on, add on to your business? I mean, it's enormous. It's going to depend, of course, on the discount, but take Tuesday morning, for instance, uh, one of the stores, for those who aren't familiar with it, up until recently, maybe even recently, I haven't shopped Tuesday morning a lot, but Ray's would oftentimes have 20% gift cards for Tuesday morning. Well, that extra 20% right there, that turns buys that would not have been worth it into buys that are worth it. So suddenly you're buying items that would not have made sense to buy before. Or better yet, if you have an item that was already profitable, you're getting another 20% off. Now, I won't run the numbers here verbally, but I mean, if you start running the numbers, it makes an enormous difference in the ROI when you start getting that extra 10 to 20 or more percent off. So you always want to be looking for that edge, whether it's gift cards, whether it's coupons. And I don't, I don't clip any coupons or anything like that out of the newspapers. I just use like cartwheel. Sometimes I use a digital coupon or something like a Walgreens. But there are always 
good opportunities like the Walgreens coupons I just mentioned or cartwheel. And that makes such an enormous difference. I like to say strike while the iron's hot. You wait for the right sale. I'll give you guys a great example. I love using this one. The past three years, Target has run a promo at the end, right around in December, late November, where you can get 20% off your entire purchase if you bought like 50 bucks on Black Friday. Great coupon. I had over 20 of them. They passed those out. Those are like, you can actually sell those coupons. They're so valuable. You can sell them on eBay. People, <laughs> oh yeah, there's a, they're a hot item to get. And if you go to the store several times, you can get your little fat stack of them, right? <laughs> but for instance, I mean, they were running a sale, something like buy two, get one free on Paw Patrol. Well, right away, that's a 33% discount. You can stack that with the 20% off coupon and then stack that with another 10% gift card or 5% red card. And you're literally buying below wholesale. And that's why I don't mind sharing some of my buys with people because I know I'm going to guide a really good price that most people aren't going to do. But it's like I said, it's all about the buy cost. You got to buy low. And if you buy low, this business is easy at times, very easy at times. Not always, but you just got to buy right. Like you said, you make your money when you buy. It's just like the stock market, just like real estate. You make your money when you buy. That's beautiful, man. Well, this is this has been time very well spent. I think you've motivated a lot of people to take action and get out there and try some of these strategies. And I know we've only touched the tip of the iceberg, um, but I think this is going to be an extremely valuable and popular episode. So I hope so. How do you want to wind this up, man? Any last tips? Uh, I always like to say that before I close out because I don't want to leave anything hanging that you're excited to share with the folks. Um, I guess I would just say because I like to keep things simple. This I always say this is a very simple business. It's not easy per se, but it's simple. You don't even need a high school diploma to do this business. I have a bachelor's degree in math because I used to be a math teacher, but you don't have to have one. If you can do sixth grade math, do percentages and stuff, that's all you need. You don't need calculus. You don't need geometry. Don't worry. You don't have to be a brain surgeon at math. But what you do need to understand is how to buy low. You got to be patient. Wait for that buy one, get one half off sale. Wait for that buy two, get one free sale. Look for opportunities to combine things. I'll go back to the Rimpure example I gave. Last week or two weeks ago, Target had a buy one, get one 25% off, but they also had a 30% cartwheel. Well, that's a big opportunity right there. And you stack those two things and then you can stack it with a 5% red card discount or a 10% gift card discount. In other words, be patient. Look for those opportunities. Don't pay full price if you can avoid it. And the, an opportunity that's really, really good may only come along in a certain item once every three months, once every four months, maybe even once a year. But when it does, hammer it. You've got to just hammer that opportunity. And I like to say, strike while the iron is hot. Um, but be patient. Don't be part of the crowd that just goes out and pays full price or gets a mediocre discount. Be patient. Get the best price. And if you get the best price, you're going to beat your competition because they can't compete with you. It's that simple. Man, that's beautiful. And you've built a whole business that's going to do a million dollars in sales this year at a very healthy margin. And you're paying a team, get to work with family, working from home, flexible lifestyle, left a career that you weren't excited about. Instead of teaching kids that didn't care, now you're teaching Mm -hmm. fellow business building warriors that very much care and are excited to be working together and worth working with you. So congratulations, man, on making the transition. And Thanks for being a, a true leader in our community. Yeah, use those credit card points too. That's another thing. Use your credit cards if you. Um, That's right. If you have them yeah. and you have points, use them. My wife and I flew round trip. Uh, we fly free frequently because of ours. Oh yeah, we. My wife and I went to Australia round trip, uh, paid fully by points minus the stupid taxes and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we had two round trip tickets to Australia, and it cost us less than four hundred bucks total. You know, we've uh, traveled to Jamaica this year. Got to go to Vegas for this business. We'll be out there in Illinois. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's great business. It's doable. Like I said, I, when I started out, I did a four and a half thousand dollar December and I thought that was great, but I stuck with it. I grew it a little bit, little by little year after year. And, you know, now I'm doing a million dollars and it's doable. It takes time. You got to be patient, but it's doable. And you just got to hang in there, get with the right people, ask them. People like, people are willing to help. It's a very friendly business. And um, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah, this community is kind of built on that as a core as a core principle. There's there's no stupid questions. Just ask. Yeah. And if I don't know the answer, I know someone who probably does. That's why our, our Facebook community, I think, is so popular. And, and you know, we're coming up on fifty two thousand members as we record this. Yep. It's a very helpful place. Ask your questions there. We're here to help. Mm-hmm. Even if you haven't bought a course yet, even if you haven't invested any money with us yet, 
we know that if you begin to succeed, we're going to get your attention and you're going to know that, okay, these are the guys I want to hang with. That's our ultimate goal. We want to have a community of business building warriors that are supporting each other, creating success stories. And mm-hmm. maybe you'll be a great leader like JR, just very organically going from that $4,000 December to a million dollar sales year. And I think this is just the, the beginning of your story too, JR. It just, you've got the right attitude and approach. Pretty soon, you're going to look at that million-dollar year as like, oh, man, how did we even pay the bills at <laughs> that so. small number? I've got a team of 30 now, and it's a you know, $20 million annual, and we're on multiple platforms, right? So yep. It's going to be a big story, man. I can't wait. And I'm excited that one of the first chapters has been with us. But yep. hey, thanks for being here, buddy, and appreciate it. And I think I'm going to close it out here, man. This is going to be a very popular episode. I just want to address the listeners for a minute. Thanks for hanging and listening. Again, this is one of those episodes where if you only listen to it, you missed out on some pretty exciting details. So go to jimcockram.com slash podcast, find this episode, go to the show notes. All the stuff we talked about today is going to be there as well as a link to watch it on YouTube. And you can scroll towards the second half of the interview today and you can see all the great visuals that JR gave us. Great window into his account, really cool numbers. You can see the proof for yourself. This is maybe a good one that people JR should share with their, their reluctant spouse or that family member that's telling them they're crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get those people. That's for sure. Here's the number. This stuff is really legit. And this guy isn't a rocket scientist. Sure, he was a math high school teacher, but he's saying sixth grade education is all you need. And I would agree with that. Yeah. It's, it's not a complicated business. It's simple. Not saying it's, easy. it's very simple. It's not a complicated model, but it will take work. As you know, JR, you're working. I have one last question for you, buddy. How many hours a week do you put in? Oh, it's usually, I don't know. 25 to 40. It varies sometimes more, but I, I mean, I enjoy it too. I'll go out and just shop on Saturday. Sometimes if I'm bored, I'm like, yeah, let's go to target. I enjoy making money. I enjoy shopping. It drives my yeah. wife nuts because I out shop her and we can't go to a store without me going off the retail arbitrage. And so <laughs> she gets irritated. You wander off and bring back four carts and she's got her five items, right? <laughs> it is a challenge. I'll go in and source our grocery store and I found stuff at our local grocery store. It's a challenge. It's, it's it's something I enjoy, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't try to work enormous hours. I'm sometimes I'll put in a 12 hour day in Q4, but generally speaking, yeah, I work about nine to four, uh, sometimes less. Sometimes I'll take the day off. I took the day off to watch Wimbledon yesterday. So beautiful. Yeah. And you can just detect the, the calm ease with which you discuss all of this. And I know there's a lot of people out there. They have a career. Well, statistics tell us 80% of Americans are in a career where they think to themselves, man, this is not what I was made for. And so if you want that flexibility to do the things, spend your time the way you want, mm-hmm. I'd encourage you, jump into our community. Come hang out with guys like JR in our community. That you know, We've got a whole bunch of people with this kind of mentality, these kind of numbers and success. Mm-hmm. Come join us. Come oh, yeah. hang out. Good place to start is the Proven Amazon course uh, or the uh, Amazon 101 course. I'll stick both those in the show notes if you're interested. But we step you right through it. We'll get you rocking and you can have a story like JR's. But thanks for joining us today, JR. JR. This was truly entertaining for me. I learned a lot of stuff. I know the people listening today learned at least two or three, if not multiple more things that they can start doing right now Excellent. to put more money in the bank in their business. So thank you so much. Can't wait to see you at the event. And I'm going to sign off now saying God bless all the business building warriors out there, all the listeners. Thank you for making this show so great. Without you sharing the word, spreading the word about our show, telling others to check it out and listen, it wouldn't have gone anywhere. We've never done any marketing for this show. It's just been the the word of mouth, people telling friends, friends telling friends, and it's grown to be one of, if not the premier Amazon seller and online seller podcasts in the world. So that's really cool. Thanks for doing that work for us and spreading the word. And we will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for watching. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.